Welcome to RPG Ramblings, this is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. Today, Ed Stanek joins me, and we discuss his new project, Comic Crawl Classics, live on Kickstarter. He discusses shaping the Dungeon Crawl Classics rules into a superhero game. There are a number of classic superhero games out there, and we go on how he folded a lot of those classic elements into his own game engine. And to put on the spandex and the energy ring, sisters and brothers, it's time to get rambling. Hello, Ed. Hello, how you doing? I am doing quite well. So how are things going in the Cincinnati area? Well, pretty good. Uh, busy with, uh, I've got projects coming out the wazoo, but uh, that's all fun. <laughs> yes, wazoo projects. I, I know all about wazoo projects. <laughs> yes, it's amazing how the wazoo can keep producing products. And you're like, stop, stop. <laughs> What are we doing here? <laughs> so you, you've got a, a Kickstarter coming up. Kind of interesting. Uh, Comic Crawl Classics. Yes, indeed. Uh, launches uh, tomorrow, uh, at least as of recording. So that's uh, uh, May 16th. Hmm. So have you been on any other podcast yet? Uh, with respect to this, no. Oh, good. Um, I, right. And I, I try to make a point of not ho- not uh, promoting my own stuff on the Scrivenery because I feel like that's inappropriate. <laughs> well, then I kind of got the scoop then, so I'll count that as a win. You heard it here first, so this, maybe you heard it somewhere else too. I'm sure you, you've, you've stated elsewhere in media that, that, that to notify, but, uh, but anyway, uh, that's cool. So Comic Crawl Classic, so I'm assuming, not assuming, but it's pretty clear, you're mixing uh, peanut butter and chocolate here, right? Exactly, and hoping to get uh, two great tastes that taste great together. Well, I, th- I think you're off to a good start. So, uh, you know, what was the the impetus behind uh, this madness? So, I'll admit that part of my inspiration, um, there was a, a guy who ran at one of the online Goodman cons. I don't even remember. Maybe it was the first one, uh, Cyclops Con. Uh, a guy who ran a, a game that he had created. And he called it Mightier Deeds. And uh, it was it was very much Marvel in terms of, of the setting and the characters, but it was, it, it was his own um, uh, mechanics system that was DCC-based. And I played that and had a good time. And uh, then sometime recently, I don't even remember what, uh, what had, had got me thinking. Uh, maybe I was looking at some of my old events that I'd played, and I realized... Wonder whatever came of that, and so I contacted the guy and said, "Hey, did you ever go live with that?" And he said, "No, too much other stuff came up in my life, and and I had to just walk away from that." So then it just struck me, you know, uh, maybe there's maybe there's a a place there for an interest in that. And so uh, I used to play uh, the Marvel superhero system back in way back in the day, the old percentile system. We had a lot of fun with that, and so I thought, you know, maybe. Uh, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I, I never play. I never. I've never played it. I'm not sure why we missed that, but uh, but I think it. I guess uh, it had a way of handling. I think with a lot of superhero games, the hard parts the is the uh, um, is how to handle that escalation of power level in a way that's manageable. Exactly, and I thought it did it pretty well. And and I tried to keep definitely an eye towards that uh with with this system 
because you know there's something different about the genre that uh that you know there's a wild difference between you've got some superheroes who don't really even have powers per se and you've got world beaters and and you want the system to be able to accommodate the spectrum yeah so that's and and uh and i think it's kind of interesting because you're using a system that also you're not using a, a i guess the big term now is bespoke you're not creating a bespoke system you're using right. something that's already existing that i think it kind of lends itself to you know with it I mean, let's face it, really, I think most fantasy games really are just superhero games. Um, people don't want to admit it. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's just a little bit different structure from uh, the way it's set up, but uh, but in some ways, it, it, the, the elements are all there. Right. Yeah, I like to tell people who aren't gamers that part of the appeal of, of RPGs is it gives you a chance to do things you can't do in the real world. And... Yeah, so in any measure, in whatever particular particular form or genre, yeah, a lot of it's uh, superpower-ish. Yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, all the, you know, just look at the look look at the uh, the wizard spells. Mm-hmm. You, want, you want to be Spider Man? You can be Spider Man. Spider climb. <laughs> right, exactly. <Web. laughs> yeah. Yeah, and certainly, uh, especially uh, mutant crawl classics. Uh, you know. Uh, Heck, uh, one of the, at least within the Marvel world, one of the staples of that environment is superpowered mutants. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty even clear going back to Gamma World. I mean, if you look at the abilities, uh, assuming your, your character didn't like really roll poorly, it's like a lot of those, if you rolled a particular way, it, would, it definitely would be like an analog to a, to a Marvel uh, X Men or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you've got this. Uh, so you got Dungeon, you got the comic crawl classics. You, uh, the guy says he's not doing anything with it. And so, uh, what, what all did you have to to do to to make this thing uh, into a, a a viable project? Yeah, so my starting point, um, I, I got together a small cabal. Um, uh, I have a friend that that I've played uh, a little bit of DCC with, but played Marvel extensively with back in the day. Um, and then, uh, also brought my wife in on the discussion who is an avid DCC player and was part of our Marvel, in fact, ran most, most of our Marvel game years ago. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's marrying a gamer. <laughs> yeah. is is absolutely a win in life. I, I tell you that. Um, so we, we, so we started off with just a brainstorming of, you know, what are the, what are the building blocks that it has to have? Um, and then, okay, since I'm dealing with now people who, who knew the, the pros and cons of, of the Marvel system and who, uh, know the pros and, or yeah, and enjoy DCC, how can we mechanically make it all work together? And so we, we brainstormed for a while and, and came up with a, with a list of concepts. And then I just, as I just started writing through the rules, of course, some of that evolved and uh you know as you talk about the escalation of power i i wanted um i wanted to have a stark difference between someone who can be just okay with the power versus someone who's got tremendous capability and the dice chain really really lent itself to that and so which also i feel like the dice chain is a great idea that gets underutilized so i i, I worked that heavily into the way that the powers execute well, that's neat. So in, in what ways is that? 
Okay, so uh, you know, for example, in in DCC, you want to do a spell. Well, you roll d20, you add your mods. Um, your base die that you're rolling rarely changes outside of the, the that 20. What I did instead, well, kind of like in Game of War, I mean, sorry, sorry, not Game of War. No, I've got that on the mind. That was a great game. But um, in in MCC, where you've got active mutations and passive mutations. Likewise, you've got this has active powers and passive powers. So you've got things like body armor and stuff like that. That's that's passive. But for an for an active one where you have to roll to to succeed at it, I thought instead of having that base die be a d20, let's use the dice chain for that. So when you're just starting off with dabbling in a power, you're rolling d3 for it. Now there's a very small chain. You 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 only fail on a critical failure because in most superhero uh, genres, a superhero's power almost always works, unless it's a bizarre, you know, catastrophic kind of situation. So it, it's not like you've got this half of your range is 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 failure. But so your 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 base die follows the die chain. So you're starting off just dabbling in that power. You've got a D three, and then as you increase in rank in that power, it can go all the way up to rolling a D thirty for the power. And then I also split up so that you devote points by way of dice to different powers. So if you wanted to focus and concentrate on one and be great with that one, you can do that. If you wanted to spread it out, you want to have them advance at different rates, you can do that um, as, opposed, so as opposed to having different level, like, you know, there's different level spells in DCC. There aren't different level powers, but there are different, uh, you have a different, you have a, growing power score within a given power that as you level up you can put points into it and get better at it well, that makes sense um trying to think it's it's kind of uh interesting because that is a um it, it, other systems like uh like portex is is it, the, the whole mechanical system is different but the idea and, and of using a die for the power level is is there so I think it's kind of interesting, but it doesn't have near as many dice as the uh, range as as what you do with Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yeah. So the mechanism that, like I said, I love the the die chain mechanism, and I feel like it's it's underutilized. And so when it hit me, how many different dice are in that chain? I thought, oh, this is a great, it's a perfect fit for having that escalation. And so you know, the difference between rolling D three for a power and a D thirty for a power is enormous. And and then that also then gives the person with the much higher die a broad scope of what they can do above and beyond what's even possible for the uh, for the lower level person. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a of a of a character that whose powers often wouldn't work in general, or they had the potential for not working. For the most part, I don't. You're right. I don't think it exists. Mm-hmm. And the only way it's ever really existed in a way that was a, I think, was in the Greatest American Hero. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> great show, great show. Yeah, so that was the whole conceit. Really, was the. Yeah. And I think we, you know, if we do see that now, we were mentioned Greatest American Hero. We see that usually in the montage scenes, in the beginning, where somebody first, like Shazam, when he first starts to get his powers, or mm-hmm. you know, but it's never once they are who they are. Um, they may, but the, well, I think what the big thing is generally is, you know, what's the, uh, potential bad things happening from their powers that right. that's what they're trying to watch, you mm-hmm. know, keep from happening. 
it's like like it's not a problem usually for Banner to turn into Hulk, but if he also does it turns into Hulk, there's complications that can arise. Exactly. Yeah, and and with that in mind, um, you know, I think perhaps more than other genres, uh, the comic book superhero genre has always had as one of its principles uh, that the hero has weaknesses and complications of some kind. Um, you know, you've either got uh, the personality weakness of, you know, uh, some the the superhero has as as PTSD or as a drinking problem or just they can't they have trouble controlling their power can get out of control and so i've got weaknesses built into the system as a as one of the mechanisms that there are ones that you can take voluntarily and by doing so improve your dice pool that you get to spend on your powers as a trade-off uh but then there's also um uh powers themselves have limitations that for each power you got to roll this certain percent chance that it's going to have a limitation attached to it. And that, that's just random. Like this power only functions at night, for example. And those you just have to live with. Okay, so that's, is that is randomly determined, the, the disadvantages, or how does that work? So I, I made a, a rollable table out of it, but my personal preference with many of these things is the GM should, should make something custom. You know, it's kind of like with... Um, uh, patron taint in uh in dcc you know there's tables but when i'm running i usually make something that's more designed to fit the occasion because i just feel like that adds a lot more depth to it right. and so likewise i would encourage a gm to say well uh, okay you've got such and such power and it's got a uh, a limitation ah i think what a uh <laughs> maybe what an amusing limitation might be and then you know that's that's a great opportunity for the gm to do what's going to make them laugh so you know why not uh but an interesting thing would be if it's got such and such limitation and so you know i would always encourage people to to customize it uh as per what you know what's going to work great for the the story that that the game's going to tell okay and so there's really no uh so like with champions have you ever played champions or i did yeah I did play one campaign of it. Sometimes they use that for, you know, you, you take certain things to get more points or to decrease mm -hmm. the cost of powers. But um, is the, how does that work with this? Or, or is it just that every, every character has certain weaknesses and you, you need to apply that? Or is it characters can choose things to reduce costs? So it's a bit of both. And, and to some extent, how that gets implemented is, is again, up to GM's discretion. Um, so in terms of weaknesses, so there's weaknesses and limitations. And I've got those divided as two separate things. A weakness is something that is particular to the character. A limitation is attached to a specific power. Okay. So a weakness, you know, might be, again, some kind of personality trait that I've got, or it might be a physical thing. You know, maybe I'm colorblind or whatever. And then there's a list of, so each, well, each, let me explain, each power has a score that you'll have that works just like uh, your, your strength score, your intelligence score, my teleportation score, my energy blast score. And so uh, these scores are when you, as, as you invest into a power, you get a certain number of D6s and you roll those D6s and that's how many points, that's your score in that power. And so as you use, take on a weakness, that's typically, I see the weaknesses typically as being optional. And, 
you get and probably and and also okay it's on i've got a table then for taking that weakness you basically earn several um dice that you can additional dice that you can use to roll for power scores so there's uh, i think it's 25 percent chance that you're going to have a weakness you mean me i mean if a gm wants to say hey everybody's got to pick one weakness you know that's that's their call and and that, that'd be fine um and then limitations i don't get anything for it um that's that's just something that's just your 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 difficulty you have to that constrains your power at least at character creation but then as you as you take a power you can also choose to tack on a weakness like for example uh one of the powers i tried to make the powers generic so instead of a magnetic control and and a uh versus uh i've just got a telekinesis power if you want to say well i'm limiting that to only ferrous metals and so therefore it's magnetic control in execution all right i've placed that limitation on it that's a, a an at will limitation and so then that gives me a, a bonus a plus one die type when i'm rolling for execution okay because yeah so then are you able to buy those off like well you have to say like magneto it's like, <laughs> he was that way the priest as well i just put a magnetic field around anything and i can really do anything to anything <laughs> <laughs> well and i guess if it comes down to it that's that's kind of up to uh, what the gm wants you to be able to get away with but, but that's not it's not the intent of the game it's right really intent to be that those, those issues are, are always going to be issues that they unless something makes sense but to continue with those issues oh i see what you're saying yeah in that sense if i would say if my power has a limitation when I take my power, it's got that limitation forever. Now, unless you come up with a cool storyline reason why that limitation gets removed, then hey, you know, story trumps everything. Yeah. I seen did Spider-Man, I mean, did he, I, I don't follow the comics very that well, but like, was there a point where he lost the web shooters and was able to shoot webs out of his hand or was there that ever the thing? Uh, maybe, you know, it's one I, var- maybe it's one variant of all the multiverses of Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the only the only uh, comic book I ever subscribed to was um, uh, the two X-Men lines, X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. Uh, so I'm not sure of the the particular ins and outs of, of Spider-Man. But yeah. um, now, one thing I could say: so I don't have. I, I at one point toyed with having different classes for. Oh, I'm a mutant versus I'm a techno person or whatever. And then I thought, no, just like the model that you have in Champions, that as far as the power design goes, mechanically, it doesn't matter how the power works. Let that be part of your storyline. You know, whether your energy blast comes because you've got a suit of armor that has an Iron Man kind of hand on it, or because you're a mutant who shoots uh, an energy blast out of your eyes, it doesn't really matter for as far as the mechanics are concerned. That's just character design. No, I think what would be could be interesting if you chose to is you know that that could be that tag could actually be its own limitation. Mm-hmm. Like all mutants are maybe hated or mm-hmm. distrusted, and maybe if the tag is no, I'm a I'm an inventor. Maybe there's some other cost that comes with that. Well, and I do have as one of the weaknesses um, that you you are part of a socially uh 
disadvantaged group, for example, like mutants in, in, in the Marvel universe. Uh, and, you know, if you pick that, then you get extra dice that you can vote on your powers. But as far as the mechanics of execution are concerned, you, it doesn't matter how, how right. it comes about. Right. And so you could, I suppose, reason as one possibility, especially if you're a techno guy, um, that my power has this limitation. Well, eventually I learn how to redesign my, my ray blaster so that it, it doesn't break whenever it rains or something like that. Um, you know, and then again, I think that would be something that, uh, have the GM work that in as a, you know, for lack of a better word, a quest. Well, I was thinking like, you know, the, the, the disadvantage would be made more narrative, like maybe being a mutant is disadvantageous in a lot of situations, but it's also maybe there's times where being a mutant actually helps because, you know, mm -hmm. I, and same thing with, you know, whatever that may be, you could do it, not even give an advantage, but just saying. Plot-wise, these are like four different things, and each has their, in my world, you know, this happens with this, Atlanteans get this, right? you know, and and maybe just be more of a background where it, you know, affects, you know, the story more than just, you know, maybe mechanically giving something. Like, you know, the, but it, then again, maybe you could always just say, you know what, if you choose mutant, you're going to be hunted by sentinels, and you get an extra boost because I'm just going to make things harder for you. Right. You're like, all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I wanted it to, I wanted to leave the, the world nature in that respect. Uh, I wanted it to be world agnostic. So however, GM, whatever kind of environment, world environment you want to have, um, you know, whether it's uh, steampunk or uh, directly copying DC or Marvel or whatever, as far as my rule package is concerned, that's, that doesn't matter. You, you snap it onto whatever world you want, just like DCC, you know, there's, you, there's any number of, if you wanted, you could take DCC and play in Greyhawk, you know? Right. Right. But I think the thing is, um, what's interesting is like, like for the levels or for the power levels. So is this, um, like, is there, is there a sweet spot for the system as far as, uh, like, power level of characters so i suppose some of that depends on the mood that you want by any chance you've ever seen the movie mystery men no okay it is a hilarious superhero spoof if you get a chance uh i highly recommend it. it's very funny but anyway part of the basic premise is there's this squad of quote superheroes most of them have no actual powers they just kind of act like they do and so, um, you know, you could start off, you could have even a, 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 a setting like that where, um, you know, starting off, maybe you are basically in a sense, sidekicks. In fact, level one, uh, I've got title levels, uh, for, for each of the, the levels title for level one is sidekick. And, um, you know, in a certain sense, I would say if you're trying to replicate most superheroes that's probably around level four ish maybe five um and you know which when you stop and think about it okay dcc goes up to level 10 um so i kind of see five as the point where you you're starting to really get some decent power and make a name for yourself and so forth so it's likewise um so anyway so it depends on on what kind of mood you want the game to have um yeah, we played once in a game that was basically everyone was sidekick level capability, and it was a lot of fun. 
Uh, so if you want that kind of vibe, make a bunch of first level characters. I don't have a zero level mechanism, and you know, there's not a funnel uh, as right. part of that. That's part of the package. But frankly, zero level in this per- is there'd be no reason you couldn't do it. It's just man on the street kind of thing. But as far as a a the the sweet spot, well, it depends on on uh, do you want something that's like the Avengers? Well, then they you're probably talking about seventh or eighth level characters. Well, I, mean, I guess they, two people have mentioned. I I don't know if it's quite true, but it, it probably does. Like they said, champions works better at like higher levels, and they mentioned Kerps is much better job at lower level uh, characters. Uh huh. Is there like this? Is it dialed in? Do you think equally all the way around, or you think there's like a? I guess how's that mechanically? Where's a point where that system, you know, is there? Is there a sweet spot for that? Do you think? So I think in a certain sense, um, that would probably be the lower half of the level range. Likewise, it's similar in a certain sense with. Um, I don't know. Have you ever? I don't know if you've ever run a high level DCC game. It gets to be so. I ran a level nine game at at a con once. I'm running a level eight one at Origins this year, and uh, and at Gen Con. And I mean, it gets to be. It can go out of control real fast, and you can go from uh, either a walk in the park to a TPK on on one or two die rolls, yeah. just because of the way that spells work, if nothing else. So similarly, a lot of the powers, as you get into the high-level capabilities, I could see where it could get to be difficult to manage. But in a certain sense, if I were running a, um, you know, I never played the DC system. I know that DC had its own rule system. But if you were playing that, and you were, and and someone was playing uh, Superman as as a player character. I mean, how do you manage that? You know, it's the right. same kind of thing. It's, it's, you, how do you pose a, how do you pose something that's a challenge and uh, without being. The only way it works is when you control the narrative as a comic book writer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause my son will watch a show and they're just like, well, you know, if the flash can do this, I don't understand why this or mm-hmm. in this scene, he can do that. It's like, well, it's, he's just as fast as the plot needs him to be. Right. It's like, but when yeah. you do mechanically, then all of a sudden you're you're locked in. It's just like, of course, the Flash is going to win every single contest there. Like Quicksilver and the X Men's, like you know, watching the show, it's like he's got the best scenes of them all. But everybody else is pointless, really, if, if he's actually around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to. Yeah, it's the judge. You got to manage that. So yeah, in that sense, um, probably in terms of of engagement and in terms of of running. You know, it's probably a lot more manageable at the, uh, you know, say around. I personally like like around level two and three, just like in DCC, because you've got enough stuff that you can do some interesting things, but it it's not as likely to get out of control. I've not played anything other than DCC at uh, at convention, so I don't have the full experience. But I I know it's been stated, um, and there's data behind it. I, I can't remember what the level, but basically. I think usually most campaigns don't go past um, like seventh level or so. I mean, it. it I think usually that five, fifth to seventh is generally the sweet spot for most campaigns. Oh, I fully expect that. Yeah, because it. Yeah, for D and D. Now, for uh, well, that converts over DCC. I imagine probably yeah. with the range that you're talking about. Oh, I see. For for D and D, 
we've had campaigns. Uh, I remember one that actually that my wife ran. Well, this is Pathfinder, which is basically D and D three five. Yeah, and we ran that up to uh, level twenty, I think. Yeah, I'm not saying nobody does, but like looking at the data, very few people percentage wise go past tenth. Sure. Yeah, and yeah, I agree, and and I'll, I think with D&D kind of the sweet spot was somewhere around seventh level or so there were a lot of cool stuff you could do, but you know, without getting out of control. And so, yeah, I, I think likewise, you know, DCC levels are roughly half of, of D and D levels. So yeah, somewhere around three, four is, you know, and is probably where most DCC campaigns are going to, are going to peter out. I, I, I can't imagine taking a DCC campaign up to level nine or 10. I just, that 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 seems totally unfeasible to me, and and I like long story arcs, but still, right, right, yeah. So I guess you said you're looking for this to be able to to snap into really any sort of setting, um, or when I say setting, I guess be somebody's own. Um, I guess yeah, setting. their world, their game world. Yeah. Um, so do you have? So do you do you have a like a a like a default setting, generic setting? How that comes with it or or is that something you don't necessarily uh, are going for for this uh, product so i don't um with the exception that i have in the back of the book is uh the starter adventure and uh, the starter adventure takes place in rural world um in a in a mid-sized town in northeast ohio um and that you know, certainly I think gives people something that are, you're used to this, you know what this is. But um, beyond that, you know, I, I, I would encourage people to see it as whatever game world you got. And in fact, one of the sections, and I've got a section on, on, uh, on healing by virtue of um, you, you engage uh, medical help. And so I've got a list. Well, if your game setting is basically equivalent to, say, 1920 our world, here's the effect. If your game setting is basically equivalent to 1950 our world, here's the effect, et cetera. So I, I, I have built into it very much, and my scale rolls all the way back to if you're 1700 or earlier, it's like this. You know, you might get a leech, and maybe that, <laughs> maybe that does more harm than good. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I could. I wanted to envision it to, that uh, you could, you could, you could put it in terms of uh, any physical location, any any alternate world, any timeline. Um, I mean, in a certain sense, I suppose you could even basically have a a, uh, a medieval type world and just have uh, use this as an alternate mechanism for characters with fantastical abilities. So you are you planning on on following this up, assuming it's successful and hits the numbers that you're wanting with other things, or how are you? What are you thinking about doing? Uh, you mean in terms of like adventures or um, yeah. enhancements for this? Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't have anything in mind just yet, but then again, with all my other books, that's always kind of been the the approach. I focus on getting that book out. And then once that's passed, then I get the itch to write again. And well, I should write a module for for the last book so that uh, people have something to do with it. 
Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if uh, before long I'm, I'm coming out with uh, some more adventures for it. Um, I tried to make the powers and stuff very flexible so that hopefully it wouldn't need a lot of expansion, but you never know. I might, uh, it might occur to me, oh, I should have, uh, you know, capabilities for doing such and such. But um, uh, so, yeah, certainly I would hope that uh, before too long, I'll, I'll come up with some more, uh, some more adventure scenarios for it. Yeah, because I would think that, you know, if you're going to do something like this, people are probably going to want to see something that, that's being supported. Um, right. Rather than something that's just a, a maybe a project, but but maybe not. Maybe you know they they'll be happy. But I just think that we're probably always excited to see even small scenarios or or situations or whatever um, mm-hmm. to seeing you know product still come out for it. Yeah, and that 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 skews a little bit because almost everything I write tends to be one shots because. I run a lot, a lot of games at conventions. And so while well, naturally I'm going to write a thing that I'm going to run at a convention. So it's targeted for a four hour time slot. And so a lot of the thing, most of the adventures that I've written for my products are, are meant as, as one shot adventures for that kind of scope. But um, yeah, I agree. I think people want to see, um, you know, I, I rarely use, uh, off-the-shelf adventures myself i almost always come up with my own but i know a lot of people they like to have that uh that that adventure that that someone else has written um if nothing else maybe for the just the ideas and the context so yeah i think that's an important way to to keep a uh, product line active well especially since you're 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 not just doing like a, like a you know, if you're doing like your own like setting for for dcc but you're still keeping the the you know the uh the mechanics of DCC and, you know, probably it doesn't, things don't probably not as much of a necessity, but you've got a rule system here and people are going to want to see different ways that it's probably being used. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got a, yeah, for my other world setting books, yeah. If somebody wants to take a, a Gubernate games module and snap it into yeah. the, one of my worlds, that's easy enough to do for this. Yeah, totally. It, it, it definitely needs more active support. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of fun stuff you can do. So, did so did you do this? Um, you sent me a PDF. Um, did you do this in Word? What what did you do this in? So my initial writing is always uh, in uh, Google Docs, just so that I can work on it at home and also work on it on my lunch break. Yeah. Uh, and then what I do is once I get the 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 text of the manuscript written, uh, then I um, drop it into uh, uh, affinity publisher for my, uh, for my okay. layout work. And then that's where I'm doing the layout, putting in graphics and, and so forth. Oh, very fun. Yeah. So in, in that, yeah, Google docs works really, really well. Um, I, in a lot of ways I prefer it over word, uh, even the, the online version, it just, it just seems to, mm-hmm. it just seems to be a much more effective, well, I don't say effective, but I think there's things that Word does better, but it, but boy, just for hammering stuff out, Google Docs works really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's very cool. So, yeah, so you've got this. You're gonna be going to Kickstarter. You said in uh, in just uh, just a couple. When was it, was the date for that? Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it'll be basically about uh, uh, close to exactly 24 hours from right now, really. And you said it was your first Kickstarter. 
It is. Yeah. I, uh, I was fortunate that, uh, Trevor, my, my, uh, Twitch co-host has done a bunch of these. And so he was able to serve as, as my guide down the path. And uh, so he kind of led me through step-by-step. Step. Here's what you want to do. Here's best practices and stuff like that. Yeah. He's good. He's a good guy to have on speed dial. So, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I think, I think, you know, what might be fine if you choose to do it is just do a short video of yourself. Uh, just you in the camera. Mm-hmm. And just talk about what you think the experience is going to be like and what your thoughts are and how you feel about things. And then, then, then put that away. It's like your time capsule. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you, you uh, come to the end of the whole thing and it it would be interesting to see, you know, you know, what, what changed and what doesn't. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's, it's like having children, you know, <laughs> people are worried about having children. I'm like, you know, the things you worry about are the things that aren't going to happen. It's the things you're not yeah. that you don't know about. Those are the things that are going to be the the problem. Right. So you know, worry about this or that. It's like that's not the problem. That's not a problem. This yeah. other stuff will be a problem. So if you can't even foresee, so exactly, it, it'd be it'd be interesting. I think uh, it's it's you you'll be joining uh, a unique, uh, I guess. Uh, um, that's the word I'm looking for. A society of people that have gone through the uh, the Kickstarter fire. Mm, yeah. Well, and it felt like. Um, you know, so this is, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't know, something like my 13th or 14th book. Um, but I felt like trying it for this one because now I was, now I was forging a path that was different. You know, my other things were, uh, my other works were, well, for one thing, it was all part of one game world that I came up with. And they were, so they were all kind of related in that sense. Um, but this was something that was new and different. And also I felt like, again, it's, 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 uh, addressing a a space uh, of DCC ness that isn't isn't currently filled by something, right? And so I thought, well, you know, this might be an opportunity, a good time to 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 use that mechanism to help promote something that uh, maybe you know that has this different approach. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely it. I mean, and finding those things, and I think. Again, being you know, you are doing uh, something quite a bit different with DCC, and I think a lot of people who um, like to tinker, it's it they'll enjoy being able to see what you've done, even if they're not interested in doing the um, uh, interested in doing a superheroes game. But mm-hmm. you know, they may pull some ideas and some thoughts, and like you said, some of the mechanics you did, and who knows, it may create a you know, it may synthesize that with some other things and come up with something you know, else different. That's exactly, like, you know, which is kind of that, that kind of that conversation. You know, I talk about it goes on through the ages. It's just like the same thing with games. Uh, mm-hmm. You just add to that, that conversation and becomes part of, who knows, who knows what could, what could come of that too. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's one of the, the neat things about the, uh, the Goodman third party community is that, uh, it's, it's very symbiotic in effect. We, we all feed off of what everyone else does. Um, you know, like I said, I don't run a lot of, of, uh, store-bought adventures, but I have a shelf full of them. And some of it is because they inspire certain, certain ideas, you know, whether you run it or not. It, it, it. Oh, exactly. And I think that's, you know, again, that's what's, it's kind of great. I mean, as far as, you know, with the hobby, it's, 
you know, whether things get published or not, we're always able to, and you know, mine stuff. I was probably more guilty of doing um, guilty of doing that sort of stuff in the past. I'm less so now, but always like, well, what if I just grab this and do that with this? And why don't I just take these two game systems and try mashing them together and see what happens? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes too. You know, dogs are getting crazy. Yeah, sometimes a great effect. Sometimes mostly to not very good effect. But uh, but it sounds like you are. Uh, yeah, good path here. Colby. So my wife is sitting outside the window, and so he's he's uh, got the anxiety going. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just a second. Sure. No, go. Poor dog. So <laughs> so you and Trevor have a podcast you're doing, right? We do. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a show on um, on the Goodman Twitch channel. And uh so gosh, I think uh I think we've done something like thirty-two episodes now. So it started off uh you know, I I've, I felt at one point, hey, there are various things that I've learned about the third party process after I put out a book or two. And I I okay, I've I've accumulated this this sense of of doing these, how to do these things, and I didn't know that at the start of it. So it'd be that might be useful information to share to other people so that they could do this too, because it's a great fun thing. And so I, uh, I approached um, Goodman Games about it and said, Hey, what would you think about a, uh, a show on the Twitch channel? That's about how to do third party publication. And they said, yes, that's not good. It's like a good idea. And, you know, I tell you, I've, I've said this n- numerous times, but it bears repeating. I can't imagine any company be, uh, being as supportive of the third-party community as Goodman Games has been. And so um, I was looking for someone to interview because I didn't want to just be me on this show. And so initially, someone said, hey, you ought to talk to Trevor. He's done a ton of publications. And, and so then as I got to talking to him, I thought, you know, forget about interviewing. I want this guy to be my co-host. And uh, so... Uh, we've covered all kinds of topics, uh, you know, how to find artwork and work with artists, uh, how layout process works, um, things to keep in mind with hard copy publishing, um, printers, and, uh, you know, he's done, I think, th- three or so episodes just on Kickstarter where he really got into the nuts and bolts of here's how you do a Kickstarter Um and pretty much that was him piloting because he's he's the one who had the experience with it. We've had product spotlights where we bring on other third-party publishers and they talk about their inspirations, uh, talk about you know their ideas and 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 what what has worked for them and you know things that ideas and tips that might help other 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 current or prospective third-party publishers. So uh, and we've had a number of people who have said, "Hey, I'm I'm making third-party stuff now." And I got there by watching your, your, your Twitch show. So that, I mean, that's, that's gratifying because that's what it was all about. Yeah, it, it's definitely, there's a lot of people wanting to do things and, and we, uh, and it's, it's not very clear uh, the path. And, it, and I think it's, it's, it's also amazing with the advent of YouTube and Twitch that mm-hmm. it's, it's easy to make, uh, it's fairly easy to make, um, I guess we'll call it educational material, but it's also even easier to find the stuff. So it's, uh-huh. it's, we are living in a, a point where it is, it's pretty amazing as far as being able to share and being able to find and being able to learn um, and have a community too. 
Yeah. Yeah, and it, um, you know, I think a lot of people perhaps, at least when I started into doing 3PP stuff, it, it was very intimidating, the prospect. And I think some of that is people don't, I, and I certainly didn't realize, you know, resources that were available. And, um, you know, I think as people come to realize the breadth of tutorials and various other things that are out there, then you get some confidence and feel like, hey, you know, I can do this. Well, I think, you know, for me, and what I will tell people is you just do everything incrementally. Mm-hmm. And then you just do, do a thing. And then every, pretty much every Kickstarter, every project I've done, I just, I learned one more new thing. So with this desktop publishing, I'm going to say, I'm going to do one thing. Like before I even started really uh, doing the Kickstarters, like, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to wait a while before I do anything with interior color. Mm-hmm. Just and then it's like okay, now I'm getting to the point where I'm gonna try playing with interior color to see how that works, and yeah, you know, or whatever it may be. Um, and I think that allows you to to uh, so you don't have to like knock it out, and especially early on if you just put stuff out there that's uh, like free or pay what you want or whatever mm-hmm. it is, but at least get something out there that that you want to look professional and that you're trying to you know get to a certain level. And even if it isn't the best thing, um, and later on you may look at it and say, "Well, I still look pretty amateurish," but still, it's it, you got to start that road somewhere. So it's right. like you know, it, you know, it, there's nothing, there's no shame in in doing something. And I think G.K. Chesterton said, said something to the effect that anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. You can't you, with playing guitar or or you know making a publication. You got to start, yeah. and you got to start making stuff. That's you got to get that all out of your system. You got to get yeah. You got to get the time in, or it's uh, Malcolm Gladwell. You're five thousand hours. You know, right. you got to get. You just have to get the time in, and it's got to be. Um, it's got to be. Uh, you know that time you spend's got to be not just. You know. It's got to be with serious intent. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, I probably actually took an inadvisable route in the sense that uh, the very first project uh, was my biggest book yet, still, oh, right. um, and and had interior color and and everything. And um, you know, in retrospect, it would have been better perhaps to build up to that. But uh, I had a bit of help. My wife, uh, this was the Pax Lexicoy book, which was what got it started. My wife worked on that with me, and she did a. Uh, a significant chunk of the work as well. So that, that, that certainly helped a bit, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's things that I've learned along the way and, and other, you know, especially with layout. Oh, this looks a little bit better. This is a little bit nicer. And you know, those, those things uh, come as you go along and yeah, if you don't, if you don't stick your foot in the water, you're, you're never going to get there. No, no. And you know, was the one perfection is the, how's that go? Yeah, so if you wait for perfection, it's not going to happen. So it's it's mm-hmm. just uh, there's a certain point. Um, it's kind of like we even say something about what is this about art? There, no art's completed; it's just abandoned. Right. And so it's like it's like mm-hmm. there's a certain point where you're like, okay, I'm done. It's like yeah, I, I put enough time in this book. Time for something else. Yeah. <laughs> time to get yeah. the Kickstarter. Yeah, I had a poetry professor once said, "We never stop. We we never finish a poem. We just stop revising it." There you go. So yeah, same kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, and it's, it's it's fun that you got your wife uh, involved in writing too, because it doesn't. I mean, probably any sort of endeavor that's um, 
a combination of creative and uh, and um, commercial to, to have a husband wife team. That's that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been uh, it's, it's been a great you know the fact of, like I said before you know marrying a gamer and playing RPGs together in and of itself is is a huge win. But then uh, that we were able to to collaborate on some of the projects and because you know, she's really a, a very excellent GM and world designer uh, herself. So uh, concerning that the bulk of the publications I put out around campaign world setting, that, that certainly has been helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It does sound, sound good. And it sounds like you got the expertise. So really Kickstarter really comes at a, at a good time. Um, so, so you're going to be running it and you're going to, then you're, uh, so you got experience with fulfillment. So that's at least uh I guess how you sell your books now. So, uh, some of them are, of course, uh, actually, uh, I think perhaps almost all of them are, are at any rate, uh, are available uh, through the Goodman Games website in their third party section. Uh, but in my, uh, and then I've got uh, my own website, uh, rayorgangames.com, which basically is just a, uh, a brochure. Uh, because the the actual e-commerce is all drive-through RPG, and uh, even with uh, printing, you know, so I, all the printing is done through them with the on-demand printing. So if I have copies that uh, take to a convention, you know, at uh, at the big cons, I can put my stuff in the in the Goodman Games booth, and they'll they'll sell it through the booth. That's all done with print-on-demand through drive-through, um, and of course they also have the the mechanism for distributing. Uh, digital. I did have this one was really cool. Just a few weeks ago, I had someone in Germany buy a hard copy of my world book about the Germanic tribes. Ah. I wish I could. I wish I had the guy's email. I'm assuming this guy. I wish I had the person's email so I could write them and say, "So what do you think?" You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> did I do justice? Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because you don't right because with drive through, uh, they yeah you don't have access to you don't have access to that. You can email like blanket email everybody, but you can't uh, yeah you can't pick in. a specific customer and email them. Yeah. So are you planning on are you following the same model for this one to uh, fulfill through drive through? Yes. Yeah. So um, the Digital, of course, will all just will all simply be using the drive-through mechanism to send out uh, links for for download copies, and then uh, they've got a mechanism for bulk uh, printing sets to where you can just upload a spreadsheet of here's all these copies and here's the addresses you that that they're going to. Yeah, they they do a decent job. I've I've the problem I've been having. Is right now I I do print through um, I do a mix and run, and I also use Lulu, um, mm-hmm. but drive through I I I found drive through I think is the as far as print books it is the most antiquated <laughs> hassle filled mm-hmm. means of 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 publishing a, a physical book. The PDFs are pretty easy, but the physical sure. books, what a night. And it, it's, it, it, there's a, there's a huge advantage using <clears throat> drive through, but mm-hmm. wow. I just, I don't want to do a third thing. That's that stressful. So, 
Oh, I don't doubt it. Yeah, I th- I certainly have seen any number of facets about working with them that I think, you know, this ought to be different. Um, but it's especially now with the the amount of experience that I've had with it, it's it's easy from my standpoint because I know what to expect and how right. to do it. And especially um with something like this for a Kickstarter, I didn't want this to be the time where I st- try something different you know um i want to go with something right. where it's your, I, it's your incremental step the incremental yeah. step is kickstarter exactly not, yeah yeah, not yeah kickstarter and trying to a whole new printer thing. yeah but exactly yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and i know you can save money going that approach but I, one piece at a time yeah i i think in general you get a better quality you get better quality you can't well to be honest um you are probably in a lot of ways well ahead to use um Kickstarter for or uh, um drive through for everything. I think you really are ahead. Um because you don't have to do fulfillment. It it's worldwide. Um and once Kickstarter's over, you get those numbers, just upload it, click, you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, Lulu, I'm actually, you know, I'm I'm typing in addresses for every non-U.S. backer. That's how I do for mm-hmm. non-U.S. And I have a third party for doing the uh, for doing the U.S. backing. So it's 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 there's a lot of work, but I think I think there's a lot of advantages just doing drive-through only. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. That's a that's a very good model. It's a lower lower stress model. Yeah. Well, and I feel like. Um, it helps me in that I can unload, offload the, um, the processing so that that's not, because otherwise I'm a worrier and I would be worrying, you know, are all these people getting, you know, if, uh, uh, did I miss something? Did I put something in the wrong box Did I, did I print out a label wrong? Um, whereas I feel like, you know, having them handle that through automated processes, uh, just just takes one thing off of my off my worry plate. Yeah, the advantage I think makes them you with another besides POD. If you get outside of POD, you get better. The printings are better. Okay, but the quality's better. Mm-hmm. But but you know, but for your price point and what you're trying to sell, does it really matter? Maybe it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And exactly. Yeah. So it's like. You know, it really depends what you're selling. And I, I've seen a lot of, I've gotten a number of things from from drive-thru. And even Lulu, there's some Lulu I'm, I'm very happy with. I do get it cheaper in bulk uh, through uh, Mixum to do an actual run. It is cheaper, but, um, you know, but once you've done your initial run, you need later on, you need 50 copies. I mean, it, it, then it's, you're losing that scale. Right. And so it's it's like your economies of scale. So it's yeah, if you spend your whole career doing nothing but what you're doing, it it you you have a much simpler life after the Kickstarter than I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you've not you've not really probably lost much of anything <laughs> by doing so. Yeah, yeah, and you know, in a certain sense, I'm sure there's there's a profit margin impact because I I imagine that uh, that that drive-through is, is more expensive as far as printing goes. Um, but you know, 
for at least at this point of my experience with this, I'm willing to pay pay that for that uh, peace of mind. Well, you got to think about your your time. So mm-hmm. you know, going through all that, in, in that's what you're. That's also that the difference what you're paying for. So like Lulu, I'm not saving any money. Probably it's the same price for drive through. Okay. Um, I'm not saving any money by doing Lulu, but what I do gain is I I have a web store. Even though I've not really sold anything through, I can hook it up right to Lulu. Mm-hmm. And also Lulu is simpler to deal with than drive through. But I'm also missing out on you know drive through sales. But then they take a big chunk. So it's like you're getting this whole like <laughs> sure. So yeah, I, yeah, I would say I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily. I'd recommend you explore other options, but I'm I'm not going to say push you in that direction because it's, it's what you're doing uh, is maybe absolutely a, a, a better idea than the path that I've taken. <laughs> <laughs> or you just have Trevor print them for you. That's what you do. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I understand he's uh, he's really expanding his operation. So, but. Uh... And the thing is, I know that one thing that that he really gets out of his approach is the customizability. You know, in the back of his books, he's got these little envelopes and things like that that add. You know, on, on some of his books, he's got this foil embossed covers yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, granted, I don't have any of that kind of stuff. That's that's an option, and that's just part of the package. That's fine. Yeah, and but doesn't mean that you can in the future do a thing like that. Hmm. You know, and maybe maybe you do things like that on occasion. I know that I for for me I'm too I, I do too much everywhere that it would make wouldn't make sense. But I think for the the path that Trevor's gone, uh doing these uh uh these uh boutique items uh mm-hmm. really makes a lot of sense. Right. Well, and this is his full time gig. I mean, this is a side thing for me. So that uh that that certainly is an impact of it. Yeah, it's amazing that Trevor can get, he can his gig is just being Trevor. So I wish <laughs> <laughs> and we can't all be Trevor, so that's the problem. So it's uh we gotta figure out some other way of doing it. There you go. <laughs> um, but I suppose we could if we tried hard enough. Maybe. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I get the best of both worlds. I get to have him as my as my path uh trailblazer. You know, he 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 gives me the tips and tricks of how to do it. Uh, so I get the benefit of his experience without having to invest that kind of time myself. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and equipment. So be, yeah, I'm really kind of excited to see what all comes of this and uh, what he's, a lot of what he's doing makes sense. And who knows, um, you know, might as well be paying yourself rather than paying a printer. If you can just do it yourself. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, so you've got this going on. Uh, your Kickstarter will be will be ending after um, afterwards, and you'll fill through drive through. So, any other plans on the horizon for other things? Or, you know, I I've, I think this is my third book this year, um, and so my my intuitive sense is I need to take a break for a little bit because <laughs> the I've been putting out. I put out about a book a quarter, um, but this past six months, it's been even escalated from that. But on the other hand, every time I've, I've before where I felt like, okay, whew, I've got that, I've got that 
book off off my list and it's out there, it's published, people are buying it. Now I can take a breather. Then some idea hits me of, oh, you know what else would be cool? And then I'm kind of addicted to the process. So, you know, it realistically probably is not going to be all that long, another two months or so, then I'm going to be starting working on something else because I just, I just get a kick out of doing the process anymore. Yeah. And I think it's also, I, in, I've been asking cause my, I've been asking uh, lately creators, but I, I think we're all kind of on a certain uh, type of spectrum <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and that there's a drive for these. <laughs> there's a reason we're all doing these things. Right. Yeah. I think it's because of our, our artistic expression, the muse, but uh, there's definitely a, a crazy drive that we all share. For it's it. the OCD. Yeah, I, yeah. I, absolutely. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, some of it too is, you know, so I've got the, the multiple world setting books out and I've written some adventures for it. It's not like there, there aren't any, but I, I know that uh, a lot of people say that the primary thing to look for in terms of the third party or in terms of buying game publications is, more adventure modules. And so, you know, uh, you know, perhaps uh, as the year goes on, I'll, I'll devote a bit more time into those. Um, I do, uh, like I said, I'm also running, I'm running nine games at Origins and eight games at Gen Con. So just being prepped for those things takes a fair chunk of my time as well. Oh, yeah. But yeah, maybe, uh, uh, maybe f- uh, my next thing to direct into would be getting uh getting some more uh, adventure modules put out yeah and that's something i'm weak at and that's something i'm going to correct to uh paying other people to write it <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah so yeah anyway yeah it's it's uh it was a drive to get things done i think it's just um that's what we're going to be doing until we die so um, mm-hmm. i guess we got to be doing something besides watching oprah so yeah there you go so anyway, well, I think we're hitting the, the time-space continuum, Ed. All right. Well, it's been a great conversation. It has been great. Well, thank you for joining me and looking forward to seeing how this Kickstarter works its way through. And it'd be interesting to hear your experiences afterwards. I'm sure you'll um, probably be describing that on the Scribnery uh, afterwards. Yeah, to an extent, like I said, I, I don't, uh, I w- I'd like to be cognizant of not using it as a, a vehicle to promote my stuff but to talk about what i learned from doing my first right. kickstarter i think yeah. that's that's got some merit to it oh yeah and i think even in describing the emotions uh, that go th- that you go through uh right is, is valid mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh the compulsion to continually uh, <laughs> you have the kickstarter <laughs> app on your phone i do and maybe that was a mistake uh because i'm probably going to be obsessive about uh looking for updates and so forth and, and how things are going. But uh, on the other hand, if, if anybody posts questions or comments, I wanted to be able to respond in a timely manner. Yeah. So. Yeah. You'll be, you'll begin those notifications and checking it. So anyway, well, well, good luck and looking forward to seeing how that turns out. All right. Thanks, man. Hey, take care. Have a good night. <laughs>